Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down with their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow but you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500 triple a heating and air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new hvac unit but you have to call today 803-677-1500 and tell them you heard about this deal on 1075 the games gamecock central podcast The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like a 210 range. Uh, um, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. The game. Eleven oh four on a Thursday morning, and welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, uh, not Preston, sorry, force of habit. Pearson, West, Chris, here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios. A lot to get to on today's Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Uh, I want to dig into one of my favorite things that Chris does on a regular basis, which is the star comparison ranking. For South Carolina and Kentucky, we'll continue to delve into some of the key matchups as uh, the Gamecocks are now only about four and a half to five point underdogs with some huge uh, developing news. I won't say breaking news, but developing news out of Lexington, Kentucky that we'll start with here in case you have missed it. But first, we'll give you a chance to do what? What do we do on this show? We give you money. It's time for your chance to win $100 and qualify for the $25,000 grand prize in our $25,000 signing bonus contest. Just text the following national keyword to 95819. Your national keyword to text is... Assets. Okay. Interesting. A-S-S-E-T. Asset. That's your keyword, asset. Text national keyword to 95819. Standard text messaging rates may apply. Please don't text and drive. The $25,000 signing bonus contest on 107.5 The Game. And as an added incentive, since most of you hate me, uh, every time that somebody wins, that $25 comes directly out of my paycheck. So y'all make sure you keep texting <laughs> in the keyword. Um, Am I eligible? I think so. I just realized Well, this. Nah, Probably not. I don't know. You're probably, I mean, you're a contract employee now, I think, right? Since this is a regular thing. I'll get a Google voice number and text <laughs> in, say this is 
Clark Christopher. <laughs> yeah. I would like to win, please. Clark Christopher. That could be it. That could be a name. Yeah. Um, all right. So developing news. Had y'all heard rumblings of this? I didn't see it until I woke up this morning because uh, I go to sleep early now because I'm old. But last <laughs> night at about quarter to 10, it was uh, Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio saying that Will Levis is considered questionable for the game on Saturday. And it wasn't the finger injury, but it was a foot slash ankle that he suffered against Ole Miss and has been in a boot for most of the week. Uh, this this took. W- were y'all monitoring this? I th- I don't know the timing. I know um, at one point uh, Brian Edwards, uh, the Vegas guy, not the wide receiver who uh, who does some work. For I'm us, not why Brian? Uh, yeah, had uh, had tweeted about it as well. Um, so hey, when when Vegas, I don't know, man. Those guys know about everything. It seems like so when that line started dropping the way it did, kind of kind of tells you something. I think uh, for one. You know, most of the time, a, a foot injury, even if you play, it doesn't just magically heal up. And, and not that we have any idea how severe or not severe that it is. Mm-hmm. But um, as a quarterback, you know, even stuff as simple as just your footwork, handing the ball off, um, running toss sweeps, um, dropping back, throwing the football, um, those, those things matter. So I, I think it's certainly something, at the very least, that uh, – you're going to be heavily monitoring and at the most could be a, a major factor in this game. Can Kentucky's backup pitch a toss sweep like Will Levis can? I mean, as a first, first round toss sweep. Uh, do you, see, the, do you see those NFL fumbles on Saturday yes, I'm, too? I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Kai Sharon. Now, he is good though. I, 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 joke, I joke about Levis like he's good. Yeah, yeah. He is good. He's I think he he can be he's in spots he's quite good but I I just I do like making the sarcastic jokes just because I mean I turned on the um I think it was the NIU game it was either NIU or Ole Miss game and it took approximately 15 seconds for the broadcast booth to have a an all out just session Will Levis party Will Levis, yeah yeah I mean they had Todd McShay on the sideline like specifically for that just to and I think Todd McShay is like pretty reasonable about what he he's like on the on the high end of a normal evaluation of Will Levis, and they were just like, oh! Yeah. It was, it was insane. So I'm sure we'll hear more of that. Uh, was it was it one of you guys or Preston that said earlier in the week, just a, like a battle of the guys that look great throwing against air, Will Levis and Spencer Rattler? <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's gonna be tough. He, he, he can't. I mean, it, I mean, there is some truth to that. You know, I mean, and Levis, I mean, he's he's had some near misses this year. Um on some of the deep balls, I mean, there was one he put right in there against Ole Miss that was actually dropped. So, you know, if he if he can't play or if he's limited in some capacity, like that is a storyline. Putting aside all the all the jokes that we've already seen about the backup quarterback and how that means his curtains or whatever. Well, yeah, I so mean that makes a big difference. That, that's where I wanted to start. Like the easy and and this is a real case of Occam's razor. The easiest, most obvious solution is probably the right one. If Kentucky doesn't have Will Levis, they are less likely to win the game on Saturday. I have seen two different versions of this developing story spun into doom and gloom, one of which, of course, is the invocation of the curse of the backup quarterback against South Carolina, which is, you know, doesn't really mean anything. Uh, If we are going to make that into a real point, I will say a lot of times when that's happened, 
the drop-off has been a lot smaller between starting quarterback and backup quarterback. You know, oftentimes where there was a quarterback controversy at some point in the season, this is a guy that might be the third best quarterback in the NFL draft and a guy who has no stats. Yeah, I I don't don't know, y'all. I feel like that whole, you know, backup quarterback is going to win the highs. Is that not entirely overblown? Like, I... Like, I... I don't know, like, maybe I've deleted some games from my memory, but, like, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to think of the last time um, that that... Well, it was like T.J. Finley a couple of years ago. Yeah. What uh, What are the games? That's what I was going to There ask. was the, the backup for Georgia who set the NCAA uh, record for completion percentage. Hudson okay, Mason. so now we're going yeah. back to 2014, <laughs> 2015. Well, th- those are just the two 15. that jumped into my brain. I'm with you, and I, I feel like people are making a joke out of it, but I've seen it enough of, like, people are joking, right? Like, everyone no, they're not, is making the same joke. Well, it's like they're joking, but it's one of those, like, <laughs> I feel like it's a joke that they believe is in reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm like, but I really don't feel like, you know, and TJ Finley, yes, he had a great game against South Carolina. Um, first of all, he's a pretty talented kid anyway. I know it's been an up-and-down career for him, but uh, you play at two SEC West programs, uh, you've got some talent. And it really wasn't that he lit South Carolina up. It was that um, <laughs> LSU just ran the ball directly down South Carolina's throat. Now, there there may be some, uh, you know, I, I think that's what Kentucky is certainly going to try to do this weekend. So yeah. maybe there is some carryover there. But okay, Someone text Kenny Hill, although he was the starter. He was the starter. He won yeah. the quarterback battle that offseason, and that was game one, so I don't think that counts. And, and that was and the worst Carolina defense um, ever. That we, yeah, that we have seen, <laughs> Probably right? So. Yeah. I mean, definitely yeah, that, that we have seen. seen. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think that's hyperbole to say that. Like, you look back, the totality of that defense throughout the season, it wasn't just Kenny Hill mm-hmm. going up and down the field on was him. Was that also the Hudson Card, or what was his name? Hudson Mason. Hudson Mason. Hudson Card is a... Texas. Texas, yeah. Um, was that also the Hudson Mason year? Mason was uh, 2015, right? The slant game. <laughs> well, wait, <laughs> is it Hudson? Game. I thought Grayson Lambert. Grayson was the Lambert, guy you're right. Who, uh, Grayson Lambert. Yeah, I totally Man, messed up. You're Georgia, right. Georgia had Lambert. a run there. Some some ringers at quarterback. Wow. Grayson Lambert, um, oh. who South Carolina, I believe, recruited. Yeah, they, they did. Some. Yeah, um, I don't know why I said Mason. I mean, obviously, he was a Georgia quarterback, but I guess I just. Yeah, Grayson Lambert. And that was the game they didn't force a third down, much less a fourth down. It was just like, it's literally like they got their first downs on first and second down. Georgia was one of four on third downs <laughs> in that game. Uh, Grayson Lambert, do y'all remember how many passes he missed? It was like like none. It, it was one. <laughs> he was right. 24 for 25, 330, and three touchdowns. Wasn't it like T. Martin's record that he broke or something like that? That, it, that's that's oh, too much digging now. It um, might have been Connor Shaw's record. Connor Shaw against Tennessee, maybe? Connor Shaw, Shaw against Missouri. Missouri, okay. Uh, missed on the first throw of the game and then hit the next <laughs> 20. Wow. And, so and he let, didn't even get the record for most complete, most consecutive completions to start a game. And that kind of that kind of counts, right? Like, he wasn't a backup for Georgia, right? But, but he had lost his starting job at Virginia and transferred to Georgia. Mm. And I guess won that job. Zach Calzada last year at Texas A&M. See, that, that one I had deleted, I guess. 
Did Calzada take over that week, or he had he'd already no taken no because because right? Haynes King got hurt in like this he got yeah, hurt yeah. early I think so yeah. he had been the starter for I would say at least a month uh, honestly the only memory I watched that game at um well I guess I shouldn't say um but I, I watched that game in a, out at a restaurant which I do very seldom uh, when I watch football but the only thing I remember from that game is the uh, punt return that's the that is the only memory I have from that entire football. I just remember, I think the Braves were playing. Um, yeah, I think I ended up watching. In the I, World Series. Oregon was playing somebody that night. I ended up watching more of that game. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, all right, there's one other variable here that I've seen people expressing concern in light of the potential Will Levis injury that I want to circle back to, uh, specifically the matchup of Kentucky's offense against Carolina's defense. So we'll dig into that a little bit on the other side. Still to come, we will get Chris's thoughts on the star power comparison. He's written the piece on Gamecock Central. We'll get the highlights from him coming up in just a little bit and want to hear from you guys 803-404-6100 love chevy phone line text line you can get us on twitter at pearson fowler at west mitchell gc and at gc chris clark it's the gamecock central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs founded by firemen with pearson fowler chris clark and west mitchell on the home of the gamecocks 107.5 the game Twenty minutes after eleven o'clock on a Thursday morning, and welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Chris, Wes, here with you, talking Carolina, Kentucky. Huge developing news out of Lexington that will will have an impact on the game. Wasn't even going for the Will Levis pun, but it will impact the game one way or another. We'll continue to unpack how it might as we continue here. I want to remind you too to join Heath Klein for game time coming up tomorrow from Columbia Craft, three to six p.m. He's going to be out on Columbia Craft at Green uh, on Green Street. Columbia Craft can be your game day headquarters, and they're proudly distributed throughout the Midlands by KW Beverage. So if you want to go see Heath Klein, catch game time live in person, he will be out at Columbia Craft tomorrow from 3 until 6. Uh, so the the curse of the backup quarterback aside, which is not really a real thing, one of the other concerns that I have seen people express about Will Levis potentially being out with a foot-slash-ankle injury on Saturday is that it would force Kentucky to run the football more. And I think the last decade has justifiably made Carolina fans very afraid of Kentucky leaning on running the football. The numbers haven't been great. Chris, you watched every Kentucky game for the last five years, uh, all 22, (laughs) yesterday afternoon, which is very impressive. Um, Thank you. Is the Kentucky offense as bad as advertised at running the football? They are not as stout. They have not to date been as good as we are accustomed to seeing. Um, you know, and, and when we talk about the Kentucky identity, you always think of running the football, playing defense, all that. And that changed a little bit. Once they got Will Levis in the program, they were able to throw the football much more effectively. They were able, they were to, able to throw the football. Yeah. They, they didn't have a to wide th- receiver and quarterback. Throw the football and somewhat effectively, yeah. you know, and, and, you look back early this season, there's some games where Will Levis has been, even against teams that you would think, okay, he doesn't have to do that to win, kind of had to do that. Uh, gone over 300 yards. Now, a couple things there. Number one, their offensive lines had some struggles. Um, they have not played particularly well. I, even watching the Northern Illinois game, I mean, they got beat at the point of attack a good bit in that game, which I think is probably pretty concerning to their staff. But they also have been missing Chris Rodriguez up until the Ole Miss game. And for mm-hmm. me, that is a, a pretty significant caveat. Um, 
Rodriguez first game back against Ole Miss. Um, getting him back makes this a more difficult team to defend mm-hmm. and makes them, I think, automatically a better rushing team. Now, did they go and, and do a, a wonderful job against Ole Miss last week? No, they didn't. And they still only scored, at the end of the day, they scored 19 points, which isn't, isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Not going to win you a lot of games. But Rodriguez, just to, just to illustrate the point, he had 72 yards on 19 carries. It's not great, 3.8 mm-hmm. yards. But here's the troubling stat. I think when you bring it forward to South Carolina, what we've seen from their defense this season, 61 of his yards are after contact. 61. 61. That, but that means his offensive line slash tight ends blocked for 11 yards. That would be correct. That's so, insane. So it's both. So you could say, ah, their offensive line, they're not very good, which I, I agree with. I don't think they're particularly good up front this year in pass protection or opening lanes in the run game. But Chris Rodriguez can be an equalizer to that. Mm. He can turn a nothing into three yards or he, he can turn a three yards into eight. And mm-hmm. I saw that against Ole Miss. Seven forced missed tackles in that game. Mm-hmm. So you think about South Carolina's performance against Arkansas, or even even in even in the Charlotte and SC State game, not on a large scale. You don't really remember it because of how they won the game, but got gashed a couple times. These are things that they really are going to have to clean up. So Wes, it feels like Carolina's game plan. Let's say assuming full health. Let's say Levis isn't banged up at all. Let's say he's one hundred percent. I feel like South Carolina's game plan still should be stack the box try to stop the run, and where is the strength of Carolina's defense right now? I feel like, interestingly, compared to where we were last year, uh, it feels it's probably in the secondary. Darius Rush, back and healthy. Cam Smith, back and healthy. The emergence of Nick Emmanuel. Uh Devonnie Reed got banged up a little bit, and he's back and healthy and has been very solid this year. I feel like Carolina should just feel comfortable taking its chances with those guys on an island, stop the run. Uh, without Levis, I think you almost double down on that and say, love to watch, what's his name, Kai Sharon, try to beat Carolina. Um, what is is any part of that wrong? And if so, is there a better approach to the game for Carolina defensively? No, I mean I think that's got to be the approach, and it's probably the pr- approach even if uh, you know Levis plays. Like I, I think he would be, you'd be a little bit more worried about him turning around and hurting you basically mm-hmm. uh, by making you know a great throw or making a throw with a guy in his face. Um, you know, the the thing about that plan, and, and people are going to say, you know, stack the box, that's kind of obvious. Uh, like, yeah, that's what they're going to do. And really, a lot of times this defense is, you know, what you would call like a single high safety defense anyway, which means you have the other safety uh, playing up around the line of scrimmage. So a lot of times they're going to have guys around the box anyway. Um, ultimately, you still have to get off blocks. You still have to go tackle Rodriguez. And I, I think in this game, you know, to Chris's point, you're probably going to see them have the ability and the opportunity to get off blocks. Kentucky's offense, you know, and, and their front uh, in particular has not shown that they can sustain blocks and, and give their backs room. The key is going to be getting enough guys to Rodriguez and getting him to the ground and, um, you know, kind of uh, not having all those forced missed tackles. But, but yeah, I, I think that's the plan. I, I wonder, you know, Personnel-wise, do you even make a few tweaks going into this game? You know, they, they've talked about, you know, all the different defensive tackles that play for South Carolina. You know, even having the or there on the depth chart, you know, do you possibly 
do what we've seen them do a couple times and put Tonka out there at the edge spot and get three of those defensive tackles on the field at the same time. Um, do you do you kind of run a little bit? Of, we've seen them mix in. If you if you looked for it, there's been a little bit of actual true three four at times this year, where they had the three down linemen, then they had the two sort of uh, edge guys, buck guys, whatever you want to call them, lined up as stand up edge, and it almost creates like a five two mm-hmm. with your your two normal linebackers still in there as well. So, do you do a little bit of that, Kentucky? Not just a team that likes to run the football; they like to personnel wise put two tight ends on the field if you're going to match personnel you're probably not South Carolina does a lot of 425 like they are very committed to Mm -hmm. that personnel but this might be one of the few weeks where you say all right we're going to tweak we're going to get an additional linebacker potentially on the field well somebody texted us yesterday pointing out that Ole Miss used a lot of five defensive lineman sets just like a more traditional kind of five two look Um, and I wonder if when we saw the depth chart, there were some oars of the defensive tackle. Is is Carolina maybe trying to take a page out of Ole Miss's playbook? Because you mentioned, you know, maybe going to the three four. If you're Carolina, you feel better about having more available bodies on the defensive line than a linebacker with Mo Cobb out. So do you see, you know, Jordan Birch on one end, Tonka on the other, and then you go, you know, roll in Zach Boogie and MJ, you know, or may, or maybe just and just have, uh, I guess, you know, your two linebackers and Brad and Sherrod. That's seven guys in the box every time. You got your four best defensive backs on the field. And you just roll with it. Just make either Will Levis on a bum foot or Kai Sharon beat you through the air. I I wonder if we'll see some of that look. Yeah, and uh, the semantic side of it, when I, when I say 3-4, South Carolina's version of that is, from a personnel standpoint, basically three, um, three of your quote-unquote interior linemen and then your normal edge guys on the outside. So uh, it would be Birch and Edmund. and Edmund on the outside. And then, um, you know, whatever combination, Zach, MJ, MJ Tonka, uh, Boogie, those guys on the inside. Or if you wanted to still run your four two five, an option would be basically you would replace Gilbert with um, right. with Tonka. Yeah. And, uh, and ha- so it would be Tonka and Birch on the outside and then Zach and MJ or Boogie on the inside. They, You know, I Chris, you look at the personnel guys as well, man. It doesn't seem like the last couple of years they've run a whole lot of actual, true, traditional 4-3 personnel. That was a huge talking point in like the middle of, what was that, three seasons ago when Carolina actually did roll out a little bit of 4-3 and everyone was like, oh, they fixed the defense. It was it was Sherrod Green. Yeah, and it, yeah. it was against Kentucky, I think, okay. is the funny thing. that uh, The one they actually won in the last eight years? Yeah, where they, where they ran the ball down Kentucky's throat. And it was before Kentucky realized, oh, we can just put a wide receiver at, um, oh, yeah, at quarterback. Right. Uh but yeah, they they had Sherrod Green, so I I think that'll be something to watch if you are like a game within the game person that really likes to pay attention to the numbers and names on the field. What is South Carolina's approach up front, and uh, you know, is it that you put an extra linebacker on the field? Is it that you go to you know this three four, which is essentially like a five two, um, you know, or do you, are you replacing DQ Smith, uh, you know, your nickelback with a linebacker? Are you just playing? Eamon Worry in the box all game. Are you playing RJ in the box all game? Like uh, there, let, me, let me say Eamon Worry in the box all game. There are some things you can do. Yeah. Um, well, you, but that, you got to. That's my vote. No, you got to realize if you, which whichever safety you play in the box, 
you're leaving the other one as your your free safety, your right. last line of defense. Yeah, your yeah, and, and deep if, cover guy. So if, if you're playing Kai Sharon, I feel like you can you can take that chance. So you I got will, decisions to make. I will say too. I think Gilbert's been good this year, considering he was unexpectedly thrust into that role. Feels like just not not really the Gilbert Edmond game. Like I, I I have a feeling we'll see a lot of Tonka at end on Saturday. Well, and I was gonna say going back to the the three four or the five man front or whatever you want to call it. You know, South Carolina ran some of that against Arkansas early in the game and had to get away from it. Shane Beamer called it a five man front. Real, same difference, whatever semantics, like Wes said. Um, and in that version, I think we saw some Nick Barrett in that version mm-hmm. as as like a nose uh, type player. And of course, South Carolina ultimately got away from that. Um, reason being. Boogie got banged up in that game, right. and Jordan Strong went down in that game. And so maybe they're thinking, all right, we're not rolling Gilbert Edmond into this as much. Um, so, yeah, and that was before, I think, if I'm, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think that was before they had shifted Tonka to playing some end. I think the Georgia game was maybe the first time we had seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that would presumably be on the table, you know, for this game. Yeah. A lot of good things to watch for there. 803-404-6100. Anything else on your mind that you're looking for specifically with some of those matchups? We'd love to hear from you in the text line or in the Love Chevy phone line. And you can get us on Twitter, too, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach B Tweets. Uh, he's not here, but you can still tweet at him. <laughs> I mean, talking about muscle memory, that's twice today. Uh, at West Mitchell GC, at GC Chris Clark. On the other side, uh, Chris has done the breakdown of the star comparison between these two teams. Kentucky had Carolina's number. Doesn't feel like they're usually more talented, even if the teams have been better of late. But what does the star comparison tell us about this year's matchup between Carolina and Kentucky? It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven thirty-seven on a Thursday morning, uh, Friday Eve around here. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Wes, and Chris here with you. No Preston. Caught myself that time. He'll be back tomorrow to talk more about Kentucky, Mason Dixon lines. Be a fun Friday show. A lot of other good SEC games that we want to talk about as well. Um, before we jump back into some more on Kentucky and South Carolina, if any of you need to move, that's something that people have to do from time to time. It's not usually something you look forward to, but you don't have to dread it if you call Wes's guys. Yeah, moving can suck. We all know that, and uh, our friends at Gamecock Moving will help make it uh, much more smooth for you. Again, as always, we tell you a few times a week, GamecockMoving.com, 803-814-3569. You can call, you can text, either way, whichever you prefer. They have residential and commercial moving services. They are licensed, bonded, and insured. They can help you move anywhere in the state of South Carolina, as well as assisting and coordinating your out-of-state moves. As I've told you many times, they actually helped me and my fiance get all of our stuff from two houses. Uh, it was a lot of stuff. Consolidated into one. And uh, they actually had us completely moved in and unpacked in the time it took them to get out there and then before the Arkansas game, even kicked off, which, if you remember, was a noon kickoff. So I think they started at maybe 8, and they had us ready to go in time to watch some of game day before. So uh, they can do the same for you, GamecockMoving.com, 803-814-3569. Michael is on hold on the Love Chevy phone line. Let's talk about the Kentucky game. What's up, Michael? How's it going, guys? I think the key 
for Carolina's success is for the offensive line to set a tone early, get get the defense on the on their heels, and just let Marshawn Lloyd eat. Just keep feeding him the ball because the Kentucky defensive line seems to be thin, and they don't have exactly the rotation that they need to go all four quarters. Michael, thanks for the call. Um, thin is not a word I would use to describe those uh, defensive linemen. They got some, they got some big dudes up there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, South. Okay, is twenty enough touches total for the game for Marshawn Lloyd? I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was thinking through that. Um, just going back and looking, that there wasn't a firm. I kind of thought that like the the data would show that there was some type of firm trend on hey, when they give Marshawn Lloyd the ball this many times at that point, this happens. That's kind of true. Sometimes some other things have happened to derail that, but I think we can <laughs> generally say things happen, <laughs> right? All ever or don't happen. Um, but I think generally you, you can make that point that Marshawn Lloyd, look, he's been the most dangerous running back. We know that for sure. And he's also been dangerous in the receiving game. I mean, particularly the South Carolina, we covered this yesterday. They finally have been able to hit some screen screens mm. this season. You think about one he had at Arkansas, even gets SC, I mean, scored a touchdown on one against SC State, had another one in that game. Um, he can catch the ball and make some things happen in the open field. So, Marshawn Lloyd is ninth in the SEC in all-purpose yards. Yeah. So I think he needs to have – one thing that I came away and looked at all the games so far this season, all five, what Marshawn's done, I came away saying he needs to have 10 touches in the first quarter. Yes. It's kind of, it's kind of what I landed That's on, whether it's run or, run or pass. Um, so let me not ask it, is this enough? If Marshawn Lloyd touches the football 40 times on Saturday, is that too much? Yes. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. Wow. If he touches the ball 35 times, is that too yes. much? Really? Okay. If he touches the ball 30 times, is that too much? I think 25 is a good is a good high but but solid number. Okay. Um, you know, I, my, my key when it involves Marshawn Lloyd is that um, – when they have an opportunity for a big play, and we, we've all—I mean, how many times do you see it? If you, you know, any team, not just South Carolina, everything opens up. You have that. You have that screen called at the perfect time, and then one guy misses a block, mm-hmm. or one guy trips up Lloyd. I mean, we, how many times have we seen Lloyd almost? <laughs> I know he's broken some off, but he has had some. I mean super, super close to break plays. Uh, Kentucky doesn't give you a lot. Mm-hmm. So if if you get a shot at a big play against them, I feel like you got to hit it. And to me, that doesn't necessarily just mean like a downfield throw. I, I think they're, they're certainly going to, I would imagine, try to scheme up a couple of different things in the passing game to get Lloyd the ball in space. We've seen that. And uh, they've actually done a pretty good job of that this year. So mm-hmm. if you have a shot at that, you got to hit it. One thing Marcus Satterfield was talking about, um, you know, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit with the star power um, comparison as well. Um, these guys are just, they just know what they're doing. They know what they're supposed to be from a coaching standpoint. There's a lot of, I believe, real respect from the Carolina coaches for how Kentucky operates on mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. 
I think that's fair. We we heard Shane Beamer express a lot of that on Tuesday. Heard some of that from uh, Marcus Satterfield yesterday. I think he said, you know, if you're a football purist, it's a joy to watch Kentucky play defense. Uh, As much as the Will Levis injury has been the headline today, losing Jacquez Jones out of the middle is a huge, huge loss for Kentucky and could be a big factor for South Carolina. They still have DeAndre Square, who's one of those guys that I feel like has been at Kentucky for 15 years now and is a really solid SEC linebacker. But Jones is a big loss. Yeah, I think uh, Rich Brooks recruited uh, <laughs> DeAndre Square. But, no, Jones, who transferred from Ole Miss, I mean, he he got injured. Uh, I didn't realize how early he got injured against Ole Miss mm-hmm. and came back and played. I think yeah. he had a pick in that game, too. So uh-huh. he, he gutted it out. But sounds like he's pretty doubtful. I, I haven't seen anything official saying he's out, but he seems pretty doubtful. Um, additionally, uh, Flax, one of their offensive tackles, also went down in the Ole Miss game. There's been some chatter about him missing too. So um, they're they're kind of banged up. Um, they don't. They're also, you know, we don't know about JJ Weaver, who has been you know a starter for them when he's been healthy. Uh, last we heard, there was a chance he could go, but he's one of their uh, edge guys who's a, who's a really good player and, and can certainly rush the passer. So. You know, if South Carolina could finally catch a break in terms mm-hmm. of having some of some guys on the other team out, uh, that that would be a positive. It's still going to be a big challenge. I mean, there's no Marquan McCall this year, who was I think he was about 370, mm-hmm. and caused a lot of issues the last time uh, for South Carolina. But they do still have, like you said, they've got a lot of size up front. Linebackers are very active. They got a lot of long, athletic defensive backs as well. So. Yeah, number six, one of their safeties yeah. is a good player. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough matchup, but it, when we talk about context in the season or, or just in general, like timing being everything, South Carolina, at least trending up right now from a health perspective, mm-hmm. want them back, rush back, Spalding back. Um, a lot of the guys with nagging injuries seem to be close to 100%. Kentucky trending the opposite direction in health. I, I think even more reason for Carolina to emphasize trying to be the aggressor, trying to be the punisher, when so often they have been on the opposite end of that in these Kentucky games of late. Thanks for the call, Michael. 803-404-6100. We will uh, officially, sorry, I teased it there and didn't get to it, but we'll, before we get out of here today, we'll get to Chris's star power comparison for this Carolina-Kentucky game next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. A couple minutes left here, 11 minutes in front of noon here on a Thursday morning. Plenty more on Carolina, Kentucky all day here on 107.5 The Game. We'll get Chris's star comparison breakdown in just a second, uh, but want to remind you again, the Heath Klein and Game Time will be out at Columbia Craft on Green Street tomorrow from 3 until 6. So make sure you go see him on location. Columbia Craft, of course, can be your game day headquarters, and they're proudly distributed throughout the Midlands by KW Beverage. So, Chris, I think a lot of Carolina fans' frustration in the recent run, I mean, anytime anybody beats you seven out of eight years, it it hurts. Carolina is used to being able to dominate Kentucky historically, and I think adding insult to injury has been the fact that most of these Carolina teams have not been Less t- when Georgia beats you seven out of eight times, it's Georgia. When Kentucky beats you seven out of eight times, it doesn't feel like the Wildcats are significantly more talented than South Carolina. Seems like maybe even more true this year. Yeah, I mean, if you're going by on paper rankings out of high school or junior college, 
um, which that's imperfect, as we all know, for a whole slew of reasons. But just strictly on the kind of star power, the star rankings, I mean, South Carolina has it at most positions. There's a couple that are even, I think you could call, you could probably call defensive back and linebacker. You could call those pretty even, (laughs) but D-line and O-line, tight end, running back and quarterback, South Carolina would have the advantage in terms of starters there. Wide receiver would actually be Kentucky. South Carolina has some oars there, but I kind of, going off of who plays the most, Wells, um, Brown, and Brooks would lose out from a ranking standpoint to Dane Key, Barry and Brown, and, and Tavion Robinson. But yeah, South Carolina has, I mean, you look at Marshawn Lloyd. He was higher ranked than either of Kentucky's backs. Spencer Rattler was ranked higher than than uh, Will Levis. Tight ends, Bell and Stogner were both four stars. Carolina's got an additional four star on the offensive line. They've got a couple five stars starting on the D-line. So you see there from just an on-paper standpoint, mm-hmm. they have the advantage. Now, that doesn't always carry over to the games. It's not just a South Carolina thing where it may not carry over at certain spots, but that's that's kind of the deal. Well, I think it comes back to the idea that you mentioned, Wes, just about how well we talk about player development, and I think this is part of player development, but not exactly the same thing, but just knowing how to use your personnel. Well, I, I think it – I'm glad you went that direction. I think it even goes deeper than that. You look at the teams like Kentucky on defense, look at Wake Forest and how, uh, you know, that, that thing about basically nobody from their team was an ESPN 300 or whatever and Clemson had like a hundred of them from there it's like uh, well how are they playing with Clemson and in the case of Kentucky they know what they are defensively and you know Chris and I were talking they've had what same defense coordinator for four years yeah even prior to that I mean Mark Stoops is going to have his his handprint on this defense the entire way so they know what they want to be defensively and then they recruit to that. So it's even, I would say, a step deeper than just, oh, let's build this defense around our personnel. Mm-hmm. It's we're going, we're going to stick to a plan and then recruit the exact body types, the exact speed, um, the exact guys we need to fit this. And I think if you look at Kentucky's defense traditionally, they do play a bunch of upperclassmen. Now, it doesn't mean every guy's going to be a junior or senior. You got some transfers in the mix that are playing as well. Uh, you know, maybe a redshirt freshman here, a true freshman there. I say, Mark Stoops is old school enough that maybe he doesn't know they took away the rule where you can't play freshman. Well, it, but it, it works for them, man. Like, it's you can sit there and it's kind of interesting. You can sit there as a fan base and be like, well, I want, to, I want my coaches to be able to develop guys like that staff does. Mm-hmm. Well, you also have to be willing to be patient with guys because they take an old school approach of this is what we do. You got to sit in and learn it. And you may not be the five-star guy, but if you're a three-star guy who fits the mold and is willing to wait and is willing to develop, then you can play your last couple of years here. And it, for them, it, it has worked. Uh, Clayton White talked yesterday, having been in the state of Kentucky, obviously at Western Kentucky. He played, I think they played Kentucky back when, I don't know, maybe like Joker Phillips was there. I don't know if he played Mark Stoops, but he has talked and talked yesterday. I want to let you hear this about just the transformation he's seen in the Kentucky program from when he was coaching in the state of Kentucky to now. 
So, I mean, I would say the first thing that I would say Coach Stoops, me and Coach Stoops know each other through some mutual friends. And when I worked at Stanford, we was on a flight together back in the day, coming from somewhere out of or probably California. But just watching someone like that build a program, it, it gives you confidence. And if you keep sticking to it, you know, sticking to your, your, your core values and believing in your staff and believing in the recruiting process and just continue getting better every year and just keep getting players, uh, got to get players. And I think that's it is nice to see that with the way college is going now. Coaches getting two and three years to, to, to make changes, and that's unfortunately not long enough. It's just nice to see that for us, for us as a middle-aged old coach. It's nice to see that a university is giving a guy a great opportunity to build a program. Uh, Preston's not here, but I don't mind speaking for him to say, you know, Kentucky, along with Iowa, Michigan State, among pro, uh, Preston's program crushes. And it's it's for that exact reason that Clayton White expressed. It's it's the strength of what Kentucky does. Um, and, and, and frankly, you know, it's something that can work everywhere. It's not unique to Kentucky or Iowa or Michigan State, but it's just do you have the, the like the instant like the institutional stability and the support and, you know, can you, can you make an infrastructure that supports, yes, like maybe it's going to take a long view, but I mean, two 10 win seasons in in the last four years. And that's unprecedented for Kentucky. It can work, but you still have to have the right guy. Like you have to have the right coach. Uh, Yeah. You can't just kept Will Muschamp for five more years and they probably still wouldn't have won the East. Yeah. You can't just let, somebody just run it into the ground, you know, but I I think it does take a great deal of patience and it takes a great deal of being willing to stand in against like the, the Twitter mob who is just ready, you know, fire, 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 fire to be like, no, I'm, I'm making this decision and I believe in this guy. Yeah. They won Um, 17 games in Mark Stoops first five years. The first I think the first three were the same as Joker Phillips' first three years. Yeah, I think it was seriously like it was like maybe one win his first season, and then three, and two. then three, and then five, and then five. So two, two, okay, five, so I guess it was two, five, and five. It's actually a little oh, two, bit five, better. Than five. Five. I thought it was two, like three, three, five, five. I thought that too Either for way. some reason, but yeah, t- two, five, and five. Now it was on a more of an upward trajectory than Joker. Like yeah, even yeah. with but. Still, it's, it's, it's about a rare instance of just like plain linear progress because it was like three, five, five, seven, seven, ten. I think was the progression, um, and and he made, you know, he he made he almost got fired, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I've said this kind of recently. Two of the best coaching jobs in recent memory for college football are Mark Stoops at Kentucky and and Dabo Swinney at Clemson. They were both almost fired, mm-hmm. like very very close. <laughs> um, now that doesn't mean. Like y'all were just saying, that doesn't mean, oh, well, a guy's struggling, he just needs more time. No, sometimes he does not need more time. Yeah, staff you know, but, changes and recruit right. better. And, yeah, but, but it but it also it also does show that there is sometimes, if, if certain things are going right and it's the mm-hmm. right guy, like Wes said, that he does need more time. Yeah, and I guess to put a bow on it as we wrap things up here in the Gamecock Central Hour, uh, there's no reason that South Carolina can't replicate a similar program to what Mark Stoops has built at Kentucky. Similar programs in terms of being below the line in the SEC. You just have to, you know, form an identity. You have to create an existing framework that fits and go execute. We'll see if Carolina can do that on Saturday. Thank you all for listening, being a part of the show. As always, we'll be back with our final thoughts, predictions, matchups, etc. Uh, but the Halftime Show is coming up next.
Come join TV's Ross Matthews every Thursday on his new podcast, Hello, Ross. Hi, I'm Ross Matthews, and I am so excited to tell you about my brand new podcast, Hello, Ross. You know, I, I just said that. Yeah, I know. I was just saying it again to emphasize the name of my new podcast. It's Hello, Ross. Look, you only have like 30 seconds to tell them about the new podcast, Hello, Ross. You have to tell them about the celebrity guests, the interesting people with cool stories to tell, and it's new every Thursday. Go ahead. You never know who's going to pop by to say, Hello, Ross. It could be an Oscar winner, the star of your favorite show, even my dental hygienist. Really? No, she's fascinating. Okay. Anyone else? One time I was at a dinner party and the lady across from me, turns out she was a dominatrix. Ooh, that's going to hurt. I've been a naughty boy. <laughs> huh. Are you going to ask? We're going to go there. For reals? And there. For real reals? You better stretch. I better stretch? What the hell? On our show, nothing's off limits. I'm going to ask that question. No. And that question. No. <laughs> and I'm going to get away with it. Oh, boy. So it's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, right? Except think of it, Mr. Matthews' Gaberhood. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. You know, that actually does sound fun. And it's on YouTube or wherever you listen. Wait, that's my line. Hello, Ross, available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Okay, now you just repeated me. We are so over our time limit. Oh, that's a bummer. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.